You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. Hey, what a joy to be at Bridges Nashville. I, I don't know that I could love Pastor Curtis and Sarah any more than I do. They're just the best. They're just the best. Can we give it up? for your pastors, and uh, man, they treated me to some Nashville barbecue. Oh, can someone say marriage supper of the lamb? Wow, it's gonna be there, no doubt. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna have a little bit of fun this morning, and uh, you know, I, I believe you take God seriously, you don't take yourself too seriously, and, and things work out pretty good uh, in the end. I can't believe this is my first visit. We had one planned um, about a year ago and a, a pandemic kind of altered that plan. Has it altered anybody else's life a little bit? Um, no, okay. Um, but here we are. It took a little bit longer, uh, but what a joy to be in the house. Um, now, wise men come bearing gifts. Does this sound familiar? Usually it's around Christmas time the wise men come bearing gifts, yes? So one time someone came into my office and just, it was my birthday, it was any special occasion, gave me a gift, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I look kinda confused, and he just said, wise men come bearing gifts. Like, okay. Um, so I thought I would just, we're kicking off a series called Whisper, and I, I think children have a unique ability to hear the voice of God. Because their self-talk hasn't totally taken over yet or the, the, the white noise of culture hasn't taken, there's even a, you know, a prophet who once was a young boy um, named Samuel who heard the voice of the Lord. So I just thought it'd be fun to kind of bring a couple of God Speaks and Whispers, which is the kids' version. Now, big people can read this too, but I'm gonna, I just thought I would give out a couple of these. Am I gonna make the sound screech if I walk off stage? Okay, can we give it up for our production team who was here at seven o'clock this morning? And uh, I, I met Shy on the way in, and you have a couple of adorable kids, and I think that one's gonna be right up their alley. And then this is... Um, Luke might be the youngest one in here, little Luke right here. And, and I know, I don't know, he, he won't really totally get this yet, but I just think, you know what, that one's just to kind of hang on to. Right, right, buddy? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Hey, um, and I, I wish I had a few more, but uh, there, there you go. Can we give it up for our kids? that are in the house with us. And I, I even wanna take a moment and just honor, um, you know, we don't always do this, but Nora and Mo are some precious kids, the uh, Parks kids. And what my wife and, and I learned, you know, planting a church with a three-month-old uh, and then adding two kids to the, the mix of so Parker, Summer, and Josiah is that God doesn't call an individual, he calls a family. And part of what I love about this environment is that we can come in together as a spiritual family. And uh, when you walk into this kind of atmosphere, you don't really play church, do you? 
Um, you, you get to be together in the same room, greet one another, love the fellowship. And so I'm just, someone pinch me because this is just as good as it gets. I, I wouldn't want to be any place else. And so praise God. Um, now, you did ask me to preach though. So we'll do that as well. Um, but uh, just hope you feel a, a warm welcome. And I love what the Lord's doing here at Bridges Nashville. Hey, if you wanna uh, grab a Bible or if you have a phone, I bet you have an app and you can find Zechariah chapter four, probably faster. But either way, uh, we're gonna get to Zechariah four. And uh, let me just... Uh, Give us a little bit of a frame and then we'll get there. On November 9th, 1847, a civil engineer named Charles Ellett Jr. was commissioned to build a bridge across the Niagara Gorge. Uh, the question, of course, was when and where and how do you get the first cable across an 825-foot chasm with 225-foot cliffs on either side? Enter Theodore Grace Hullett, a local iron worker, who suggested, get this, a kite flying contest. Of course, uh, here's what happened. A 15-year-old boy named Homan Walsh won the $10 cash prize. Come on, big, big money in 1847 uh, for flying the first kite across the Niagara Gorge the day after that flight. A, a stronger line was attached to that kite string, then a rope, then a cable consisting of 36 strands of 10-gauge wire it would eventually become the world's first railway suspension bridge. Uh, it not only connected two countries, it was strong enough to support a 170-ton locomotive, and it all started with one kite string. And it always does. I, Pastor Curtis, I felt like that was appropriate given Bridges, Bridges, Nashville. Um, that, that it started with a kite string. It started with faith to fly a kite. I, I remember when you came into my office and said, I, man, I think God is calling us to Nashville. And, and the, the part of me wanted to say, I don't think he is. Because we want you right here. Because for eight years, Pastor Curtis uh, not only led worship, but led our worship teams across seven campuses. And, and I just want to say for the record, we wouldn't be who we are, where we are as a church without Pastor Curtis and Sarah and their investment in National Community Church. Once a shareholder, always a shareholder. I, I want you to kind of capture this little thought up front. If you do little things like they're big things, God has a way of doing big things like they're little things. Isn't that a wonderful thought? It takes a little bit of pressure off of us because in my experience, I wanna do amazing things for God. But, but the reality is, God is the one who does amazing things for us. Joshua 3, 5 says, consecrate yourself to the Lord and he will do amazing things among you. And so if we do our job, God's gonna do his job. Our job is consecration. And then God has a way of showing up and showing off. Now, I, 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 love, I know people who say, uh, 
They'll give more when they make more. <laughs> Love you, but I'm not buying what you're selling because the reality is if you aren't faithful with a little, I'm not sure that you're gonna be faithful with a lot. Stewardship always starts right here, right now. I know some people who say, I'll serve more when I find more time. Oh, good luck with that. You will never find time. You have to make time. You've got to reprioritize your life. And, uh, you know, we already gave it up for production, but on a rainy day, it feels like we ought to give it up for the parking team too, right? Can we give it up for the parking team? Um, I just, I'm so grateful, you know, it, it takes teamwork to make a dream work. And so many people serve to make this kind of thing happen. And then finally, I know some people who say, when the big opportunity presents itself, I'm gonna step up. Not, not if you don't seize the little opportunities that are all around you all the time. I think what you have to do is you gotta fly a kite. Are you with me? Okay, Zechariah chapter four, and uh, I'll set the scene. Uh, it's 536 BC, in 586 BC, there won't be a quiz at the end, but the Israelites went into captivity in Babylon. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar and his army uh, took prisoners, prisoners of war. Uh, interestingly enough, from the upper class and the creative class. And so they end up in Babylon 50 years later uh, this remnant is led back by a guy named Zerubbabel, which is fun to say three times fast. Why don't you try it? I've never done that in my entire life. I don't know if it worked, but it was kind of fun to hear it. Okay. Zerubbabel is staring at ruins. And... and you know, it was a few, a month ago that, that we marked the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And I don't know if you, like, like, I mean, I watched so many documentaries and I was so, it was the ruins and, and the rubble that was left from that that just was, I mean, it was so devastating, the loss of human life and just the destruction of what happened. And, and at the time, if you're old enough, you remember how overwhelming it was. Like, now what? That's a little glimpse of Zerubbabel staring at what was. It's a shadow of its former self. And I think at some point in our lives, it, most of us stare at some kind of ruins, right? Relational ruins, something goes off the track or, or dream ruins, like that didn't play out the way I wanted or even emotional ruins. I, I, this would be another message for another day, but kind of the word of the year is languishing. It's not mental illness, it's not mental health, it's this no man's land where we're just, we're languishing, so many people in that kind of place. And I think this is a word for us. And so we've got the scripture, Zechariah chapter four and verse number six. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It's not by might nor by power but by my spirit, saith the Lord. More than half a century ago, Dr. Alfred Tomatis 
was confronted with the most curious case of his 50-year career as an otolaryngologist, an ear, nose, throat specialist. A renowned opera singer had come to see him because that opera singer had lost his ability to hit a certain note, even, the no, even though the note was within his octave range. It was incredibly confusing. Most of the people he had been to thought that it was a vocal problem, but Dr. Tomatis thought otherwise. So he hooked him up to a sonometer, and Dr. Tomatis discovered that the opera singer was producing 140 decibel sound waves at a meter's distance. Just to put that in perspective, that's louder than a military jet taking off from an aircraft carrier. Long story short, the opera singer had been deafened by the sound of his own voice. And here's what Dr. Tomatis said. The voice can only reproduce what the ear can hear. Sit on that for a second. The voice can only reproduce what the ear can hear. I know a lot of people, they want a platform, they want a voice, they want to be heard. Well, for starters, why don't we have something to say first? We want a prophetic voice. You know what? Give me a bunch of people who have a prophetic ear, who can hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. That really is the heartbeat of this series, and we're gonna dig a little bit deeper into it, but it starts there. Now, the French Academy of Medicine dubbed it the Tomatis Effect, and the ramifications are, are pretty profound. You know, all of us have problems. We have relational problems, emotional problems, spiritual problems, and we think those problems are the problem. But I wonder if they're presenting problems. And I wonder if the root cause are ears that have been deafened to the voice of God. Because his voice is love. His voice is joy. His voice is power. I, can I just, can I sidebar here for a second? In the beginning, God says, let there be light. And those four words are still creating galaxies at the outer edges of the universe. Like a couple hundred billion galaxies. That, that's, un, that's unbelievable. And, and so my thought is this. If God can create the entire universe with four words, what are we worried about? Like his voice has healing power. His voice, see, here's the challenge. We can only hear between 20 and 20,000 hertz. We have a very limited hearing range. But much of what God says is ultrasonic and infrasonic. In fact, he can say, Lazarus, come forth. And a guy, four days dead, comes out of a tomb. Why? Because you have to obey the voice of God. He created everything that is with his voice. Don't you want to hear that voice? Now, he, here's the challenge. I think much like this opera singer, 
we have ears that have been deafened by decibel levels. What, what am I talking about? I'm talking about our own self-talk, or is that just me? About 80,000 thoughts every day, and that inner dialogue isn't always positive. Hardest person to forgive is yourself. And so you can pray that prayer of confession, experience God's forgiveness, but it's really hard to forget. And so we just keep that inner dialogue. We keep beating ourselves up. Our self-talk sometimes deafens us to what God wants to say. And then you've got culture, the white noise of culture. Here's how I would say it. Here's how I would ask it. And I, I think I've been here long enough to kind of get in our business a little bit. What percentage, what percentage of your words, thoughts, and actions are a regurgitation of the social media you follow and the media you consume? And what percentage is a revelation that you are getting from God's word? All I know, if we're keeping it simple and you're looking for a practical application, my daily Bible reading plan has been my lifeline over the last year and a half. With, with all of the racial tension, the political polarization, and we feel that so acutely in Washington, D.C. I live on Capitol Hill. I've had to be dialed into, who, Pastor Curtis, can I just shout you out? Because I think you're the first person that I heard say this. Who's the loudest <laughs> voice in your life? I'm pretty sure I stole that from you. <laughs> um, Who's the loudest voice in your life? Is it that self-talk? Is it the voice of culture? What about the enemy, that voice of condemnation? He's the accuser of the brethren. He's gonna remind you of everything you did wrong over and over and over again. You gotta turn those voices down, yes? And you've gotta turn up that still small voice of the Holy Spirit and it would solve a hundred problems. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Put it up one more time on the screen. Because you know what? With all due respect to those who are called to do what I do, we don't need another sermon. We need a word from God. We need a word from God. And Zerubbabel gets it. What is it? It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord. Let me have a little bit of fun. Let me see your strong hand. Let me see your strong hand. Luke, we don't know yet, do we? We don't know Luke's strong hand just yet. But uh, for 90% of us, probably the right hand. Um, this hand represents the gifts that God's given you. And he wants you to use those for his glory. But now show me that weak hand, and I want you to hold it up real high. You know what's funny about the weak hand? You can't even write your name legibly, right? You can barely, you can't really even brush your teeth. You, it's hard to eat. Sometimes you miss your mouth. Um, it's so hard with the, with the weak hand. Those are the things that don't come naturally. But be careful. Because the last time I checked, God's power is made perfect in weakness. So maybe, just maybe, God wants to use you at the place of weakness. I mean, on a personal level, I, when I was 22 years old, I felt called to write. But I also took a graduate assessment at the same time that showed a low aptitude for writing. In other words, whatever you do, don't write books. And, and right now, you know what? I, I love the, 
I love the demographics. Um, I'm seeing uh, a lot of potential. And by that, um, you know, and listen, you never age out in the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? I love it. Even at 85, Caleb's still going after vision. So this is not a commentary on age because I think um, ageism is out the window with the spirit of God. But I also want to say to the 20-somethings that are in the room where there's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of runway in front of you. One, don't feel like you got to figure it out too quick. And I've got a couple of 20-somethings who uh, I get to father. And so I want to take a little bit of pressure, pressure off. But I also want to say to you, do, do not buy into this idea that, that you can only do what you're naturally gifted at. Um, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And sometimes, so when I sit down at my computer, I take my shoes off because to me it's holy ground. God, I need your anointing. What's wonderful, when you operate in a place of weakness, there's an awareness that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. I need God's anointing in my life. And God wants to anoint you in that place of weakness. Like just put up that we can one more time. Lord, I just, I pray for that we can. Would you use it for your glory, for your kingdom? In Jesus' name, amen. Here's an overarching thought. I have a theory of everything. And my theory of everything is this. The answer to every prayer is more of the Holy Spirit. Oh, but Pastor Mark, I need, I need love. No doubt. I need joy. Absolutely. Uh, I need peace. Yep, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think we call those the fruit of the Spirit. So what we need is more of the Spirit that produces more of that fruit. And I would also say that we find ourselves at a place where we need the gifts of the Spirit. We need the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so we need those gifts working in us and through us. And so more of the spirit is gonna produce more of that fruit and manifest more of those gifts. Are you with me? Yeah. I know you are, I'm feeling it and I love it. All right, let's keep going. Next verse. What are you, mighty mountain? Now, I wanna make an observation here because this sounds like a plot twist to me. Like all of a sudden, it's almost like Zerubbabel, like it just, he starts talking to a mountain. Am I reading this right? What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Now, I want to say a couple of things up front that I hope are encouraging. Um, the obstacle is not the enemy. The obstacle is the way. You know how God makes big people? Sometimes he makes them climb big mountains. And so don't, don't be too quick to dismiss the challenges that you face because I think that's how you get a testimony. Oh, Mark, Mark, that's easy for you to say. It's not easy for me to say. You know, I referenced D.C. Something happened January 6th at the Capitol. You may remember that. You know where I was that day? I was at the hospital because my wife was in surgery for a second bout with cancer went through radiation in February. I'm, I'm not talking in a vacuum. But, but you know what? 
that first diagnosis, she read a piece of poetry that just transformed how we were gonna approach it. And the poetry, the verse of poetry said, what have you come to teach me? Now listen, I believe in healing because I've experienced it. I'm about to tell you a testimony. But, but at the end of the day, I think sometimes you have to stare the mountain in the face and size it up. Like it's not, this is not ignorance. This is not like, I'm gonna ignore everything that everybody's saying. No, no, no. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do my homework. Um, I'm gonna confront the brutal facts, but I'm gonna do it with unwavering faith. Can I share a testimony? Um, and I, I am so losing track of time, Pastor Curtis, and I don't see a clock anywhere. So I think we've only been going five minutes. Um, <laughs> I have an awareness. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, my earliest memory is an asthma attack. Uh, three, four years old, woke up in the middle of the night, couldn't breathe, and go into my parents' room, and my dad takes me to North Memorial Hospital in Minneapolis, and I get my first shot of epinephrine and it opens my lungs back up and that routine is repeated over and over and over again, night after night until finally diagnosed with asthma, uh, get an albuterol inhaler. It would become my best friend for the next 40 years of my life. There are not 40 days in 40 years that I did not take multiple puffs of that inhaler. Um, slept with it under my pillow, played basketball with it in my sock, um, when I was 13 years old, I ended up in a hospital, code blue. Uh, some of you know what that is. That, that's when they, when they code blue, about every doctor and nurse who's available rushes into your room because you're crashing. I thought I was taking my last breath at 13 years old. My, my parents were so scared. I'll share this part of the story. They called the pastor of the church that we had just started attending and uh, shows up at like two o'clock in the morning in a suit, which is awesome, <laughs> and, and prays for me. And the amazing thing is he had no idea that the 13-year-old kid he was praying for would one day ask his daughter to marry him. It's my father-in-law. Prayed for me that night. And so uh, that week, prayer team from the church came to our house and said, how can we pray for you? And said, let's pray that God will heal my lungs, 13, just believing for a miracle. And a miracle happened that night, but not the one I was expecting. I woke up the next morning, all the warts on my feet were gone. This is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. But I still had asthma, and I'm confused. Like, I'm wondering, is this like the game of telephone? There's someone somewhere who's breathing great, but still has warts on their feet. Something got confused between here and heaven. But please, please hear me. This is the first moment where I can remember at 13, this is the very first moment I can remember hearing God whisper. And it wasn't a lot, it was just a simple little sentence. And, and it was this, I discerned in my 13-year-old mind that the Spirit of God said to me, Mark, I just wanted you to know that I'm able. I held on to that for 40 years. July 2nd, 2016, we're in a series called Mountains Move. I'm preaching this passage <laughs> I'm preaching this verse. 
I pray a brave prayer. God, I've prayed hundreds of times and it hasn't happened, but I know that you're able. You told me you were able at 13. So I'm gonna ask again, would you heal my lungs? From that day to this day, more than five years, I have not touched an inhaler. God healed my lungs. I even went out and ran the Chicago Marathon to celebrate God healing my lungs. Yes, it's the flattest marathon course in the country. Don't give me a hard time. It was still 26.2 miles. And uh, I wanted to do something that I could not have done to celebrate. Here's what I'm getting at. Uh, and this is where I wanna activate faith in your life. There, there are moments where you've gotta stop talking to God about your problems and start talking to your problems about God. You gotta start speaking to the mountain the goodness of God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. No matter where I go, if I turn around, goodness and mercy has been following me my whole life. Um, you have to declare the favor of God. If God is for me, who can be against me? He who began a good work is gonna carry it to completion. He works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, we have to exegete those and understand those promises in the right context. It doesn't say all things are good. Bad things happen to good people, but there's a God who can redeem them and recycle them. So I don't know what mountain you face, mountain of anxiety, mountain of addiction, mountain of anger, mountain of injustice or un unforgiveness or depression or frustration, or if it could be a whole mountain range. Could we have the courage as the people of God who are filled with the spirit of God, could we have the kind of courage and faith that we speak to mountains, that we stand up in the boat like Jesus and we rebuke the wind and we say, peace be still to the waves. That's what God has called us to as his people. This is not a club. This is not some social gathering. This is a gathering of people who, what happens is herd immunity sets in and faith is out the window and now faith, fear is out the window and now faith begins to rise as we hear each other's testimonies. And look what the Lord's done for me. Look what God's done over here. Testimony is prophecy. Make sure you're sharing that testimony. All right, let me jump to the end. Uh, it, it uh, I, I love verse 10. We're gonna jump down to verse 10. Uh, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, and, and I love this because, you know, sometimes you need that word from God again, right? And again and again. Saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house and his hands will complete it. Do not despise the day of small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. There's so many things that I love about this, but I think first of all, does this not reveal the heart of the heavenly father? God is great not just because nothing is too big. God is great because nothing is too small. Like you, you can't even give a widow's might that God doesn't see it and celebrate it. 
Isn't that amazing? And I, parents, you kind of, you, you, you sort of resonate with this. Like, I, I bet, listen, not many of our kids are Michelangelo at five, right? Oh, but we put that artwork up on the refrigerator, right? Some of you are gonna go home, you're gonna put it up on the refrigerator. Uh, or even the sermon bingo, which is about the greatest idea I've ever heard. I have no idea how that, that's awesome. Um, but as parents, we celebrate the baby steps. And there's a, there's a heavenly father who celebrates those little things. And so we don't have to do big things. I think we have to, we have to fly the kite. And God's gonna build the bridge, or maybe I should say bridges, right? God's gonna do the heavy lifting if we exercise our faith. Let me close with the, with the story. Um, and... Uh, it's one of my favorites, and I think it's appropriate with uh, Pastor Curtis, um, uh, with being here in particular. Uh, when we got started as a church plant, um, th this was 25 years ago. Uh, been doing this for a, a minute. Uh, we started with a core group of 19 people. And in our first year, we would have 20, 25 people um, you know, this, this for us would have been a massive revival. Uh, there, there was nothing that happened easy or fast out of the gate. It, it was just slow, hard plowing and planting. And, but, but we believed in long obedience in the same direction. And if you keep doing what you're doing, God, God is gonna show up and, and show off. And so uh, that first year, uh, and I'll, I'll invite the band to come on this, on this note since it's musical in nature. Uh, our first year, I would come in, uh, production team, and we had an eight-channel, um, I don't even, it's not a board. We had an eight-channel amp or something like that. I don't even, do they even make those? Maybe they still make those. But I was plugging in cords. I was setting up chairs. And along with preaching, we, we didn't have, um, we, we didn't have a, a drummer, we didn't have a drummer. And, and so I, my rhythm, shall we say, is lacking. And so our predominant prayer our first year was the Lord, send us a drummer. Send us a drummer, send us, save people, but send us a drummer. Because we need a drummer. And uh, there was this moment, and I'll never forget it, and this is where I wanna put the ball in your court. There's a moment where I felt like that still small voice was another one of these whispers. Do not ignore the whispers. Those whispers are moments when, when God has a way of just speaking little things, but they're the big things if we obey them. And I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered, why, why are you asking, why, why do you keep asking me, why don't you go out and buy a drum set? Well, I want God to go first. Then it doesn't require any faith. You send the drummer, then we'll go buy the drum set. And part of it is that our monthly income was $2,000 a month. It cost $1,600 to rent the D.C. public school where we met that left $400 for our salary and all other expenses. But it was a moment. It was a field of dreams moment. If you buy it, they will come. And so I remember I found a drum set, uh, $400. Bucks. So it was all of our expendable uh, budget. And I remember driving up to Silver Spring, Maryland, thinking to myself, this is crazy. This is crazy. I'm buying a drum set for an imaginary drummer with money that we don't have. 
but, but my faith was stirred. I just felt like it was a plumb line moment. You know, that plumb line was just a vertical device to center, to make sure. It was just a measuring device. It really hadn't done much. But I think there are plumb line moments in our lives. One of those plumb line moments is the moment we surrender our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the moment that changes everything. But then there are little moments along the way. So I went up, bought the drum set on a Thursday. That Sunday, kid walks into service, clean cut. We've got a lot of military in D.C. I could tell um, military. Uh, sure enough, Marine Corps, but not just Marine Corps, drum and bugle corps who play for the president. And so we, we literally, um, Pastor Curtis, I think, you know, under your leadership, our worship team across our campuses, we probably had 150 people that would serve, you know, drumming, guitaring, vocaling. Uh, those aren't even the right use of those words, which is further evidence that I should not have been leading worship. Um, and so it's, it was like, look at what the Lord has done. I think we're at seven, eight albums probably four or five that you led that charge. But you know what? To me, it traces back to a moment where you had to exercise a little bit of faith. We needed that first drummer. What, what, what are you believing God for that's beyond your ability? What, what are you believing God for in the miraculous realm? How is your faith looking at the mountain and saying, what are you mighty mountain because there is a God who saves and there is a God who heals and there is a God who delivers before Thursday church a couple of days ago I'm sitting with a guy who uh, was as addicted to drugs as you can get for many many years 19 years ago just in a divine appointment God set him free and I say do it again do it again God do it again, but he's gonna do it through his people that operate in faith. Amen, amen. And so Lord, right now, I bless this community. I bless this church. I thank you, Lord, that you have begun a good work and you're the one who's gonna carry it to completion. Lord, we look to you right now because there are mountains that seem too tall for us to cross. How in the world are we gonna get to the top? How are we gonna get to the other side? But Lord, our eyes are on you. We look to you, the miracle worker, the way maker. You are still the God who makes sidewalks through the sea. You are still the God who turns water into wine. You are still the God who does the miraculous and Lord, it starts with a whisper. And so give us ears that are finely tuned. In fact, right now, would you just put one hand on one ear, just whatever ear you choose. Lord, would you anoint these ears so intricately made, so delicate, so many tiny parts to hear physically. It's a, it's a miracle. But Lord, also we pray for ears to hear the still small voice of your Holy Spirit. Give us prophetic ears. In 
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't even, I want to stay up here because this is just, I hope you can feel the love today. I hope you can feel that for me, this is not just a few minutes that I'm standing up here. This is 11, 12 years of relationship, of loving and believing in the pastors who are called to lead this church and a moment that was long overdue. And for me, it's almost like, it's like a Moses moment for me, just looking over into the promised land. I can't even put into words how much this means to me, but where my words fall short, I hope you hear my heart today. Love your pastors, love this church, and I believe that the best is yet to come. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.